0: Glory be to God. It is good to be in the house of the King, our master, our Savior. This is his house, and it's a house of worship. It's a place where we offer thanksgiving for what he has done. I remember the account when his love showed up for me and what I was doing. I remember being stuck, and I was actually cleaning up something. I was in dirt. And I just remember this at the time, and there was a lot of uncleanness around, a lot of things that weren't right. But I remember when the the Lord made this impression upon me that you're not going to stay there. You're coming out with me. And I just reflect on how good he is, his mercy. And I just remember at that time, I barely had an extra shirt, undershirt, didn't have a lot of items. Didn't really have a lot to offer. And as I was thinking about that, it was like I was that little boy saying, Lord, I I don't have anything to give you. And it was like he was saying, but your heart will give you. Your heart will give you. And so my prayer and my hope today is that we will encounter God. He says that where two or three of you are gathered in his name, he is there in the midst of us. This is an opportunity for us to get up close and personal with God. Because we need Him when we leave out of Him. It's an opportunity for us to touch God. He's promised us, not only will He be with us, He said, I'll be in you and you will be in me. He's offered Himself to us. And so my prayer today is that we get into God. We get into that place of God. Because you can be in church but not be in God. Being in church doesn't make you a Christian. He does. And God has given us His love today. There's no more He can give above what He's already given us. He's given us the love. His best. He's given us His Son. If we want more of Him, if we want more of love, get more of Jesus. He's the hope of glory. Get Him inside of you and you get in Him. So my prayer today is that we get more of God by pressing in and getting to him. The title of this message today is Cast Out But Not Down, Divine Encounters With Jesus. This love that God has for us, for the Bible says, for God so loved the world that whosoever shall believe in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God loves you. God loves me. You need to know you're his favorite. He has nothing more than he can give than what he already did. My prayer, my hope today is that we receive him. We get more of him. We press in. We're going to go through three biblical examples of those who were out in the world but got into God because I believe there's something that God may require of us to get in him. This is not earned. This is grace. But we have to be intentional about God. We have to be purposeful about him. We have to go after him because he seeks for us to seek him. He desires for us to seek him because he has more to give in and through his son. So before we begin, um, cast out but not down, divine encounters with God, I just want to thank God and, and um, just offer prayer and, and give honor to those whom honor is due. So if you would, just allow me to start in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, opportunity. We thank you for this divine uh, encounter, Jesus. We thank you, God, for being with us right here, right now. For you are faithful and true. And Father God, I ask now in the name of Jesus... That, Holy Spirit, you use me to preach, deliver, speak your word. Make your word plain and clear clear, that it falls on a hearing ear, O God, in the name of Jesus. That we may incline our ear to hear your voice and obey your will today. And I ask now these things in Jesus' name. To you alone be all the glory. Amen. Amen. I also want to acknowledge our pastors. Uh, We thank God for Pastors Tim and Pastor Radika Lambert, um, who are the shepherds of this house. We give honor to them and to our elders and, of course, all of you, congregants, members, friends uh, today. Um, As I mentioned, we're going to go through uh, some scriptures, um, three um, different scriptures. illustrations of those who sought after God and pressed into him, those who were cast out. And I want us to remember what it means to be in the presence of God because being in the presence of God is fullness. It is wholeness. And so we're going to encounter and discover some of that as we go through the word today. But the main thing I want to leave us with as we we go through this, is that God loves us. He loves you. He loves me. I think sometimes it's hard to, to grapple with this kind of love because it's not a common love. The Bible defines it as an agape love. It's the kind of love that doesn't fit into the natural order of things. It's a supernatural kind of love. It's a love that you don't find in a common relationship. It's the kind of love that you only find in the relationship or the, 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 the relationship with God Himself. And that's the love that He gave His life for us to have. The, <clears throat> the first uh, scripture we're going to go through today, and we're going to talk about. Is the woman with the issue of blood? The woman with the issue of blood? In Luke 4, 8, 43 through 48, this is the New King James Version. The Bible says, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed. By any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. Jesus said, and Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. As we look at this account of the woman with the issue of blood, there are certain things we need to understand about this woman that we have this biblical account of, is that she was an outcast. This issue of blood uh, made her unceremonial. She was not supposed to be in the presence or around people, certainly not in the presence of a holy man. She wasn't supposed to be there. And it was a crowded place, as the Bible describes. But she showed up, and she pressed in. She had determined that if she could get to his garment, she would be healed. She would be made whole. There are some things that we need to understand also about this, is that not only if she showed up this way, it could threaten her life. She didn't have any money. The Bible says she spent all her money on physicians. She clearly was a weak woman, bleeding, bleeding constantly she was probably tired but she had determined if I can make it to when he shows up when Jesus makes his circuit if I can make it and make it to his garment I'll be made whole the Bible says that not only she spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed and she came from behind and touched the border of his garment Immediately, her flow of blood stopped. What we see here is that the anointing of God, when she touched his garment, Jesus knew this was a divine encounter, that she had determined that she would make it to God. And Peter replied to to Jesus, Master, the multitudes throng you, impress you, and you say, who touched me? The place was full. It was packed. How was she going to get in with her unclean self? She didn't belong, she didn't belong there. Like many of you and like me, I just remember growing up and making it to church when I did and at that time I went to a traditional church and people showed up and they wore suits and ties and I don't know if I even had one at the time but I remember thinking is this what God is looking for? Is, God, is this what happens to people when they get to know God? Because I just remember feeling a little unceremonial myself. I felt a little unclean, but I wanted to be made whole. I didn't know exactly how, but sometimes you win by showing up. You win by showing up. And I believe you win when you show up here. You show up in the church of God, the place of worship of God, and he desires our worship because he's worthy of our worship. So she pressed in, and Jesus replied to Peter, but Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. This is not something the disciples would know. Jesus knew what was resident in him, and he knew what had flowed out of him. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him. Why was she trembling? Her life was at stake. It was now in the open. Jesus saw her. This was a fearful moment. She got what she needed, but what would happen next? She had broke the law. Like many of you and me, we were lawbreakers. But grace showed up. Grace is a person. Grace showed up when Martha said to Jesus, I know. If you had been there, my my brother would not have died. And Jesus asked Martha, do you believe he'll rise again? And she declared at the resurrection, he said, I am the resurrection. I am grace. My God has no other provision for this. It's all in me when we show up here, this is an opportunity to be in the presence of Jesus because he's here right now. He's the one who heals the brokenhearted and he's the one that we can trust. He's the one who you can tell him those things that you can't tell anybody else. Like the woman at the well. He's the one that you can give your heart to, and he'll heal it and make you whole. And so she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she she was healed immediately. She fell down at the master's feet. If you know the master, something in you should praise him. Something in you should be drawn to come to repentance. To know Jesus for what he did at the cross that no man could do. And that he was sent by the father to do it. What a wonderful God we serve. And he said to her, this is the place of judgment. I believe there may have been a silence, a pause, a moment with those who all around, all turned to her at this moment as she was faced with Jesus and his judgment. She knew what she had done. She had transgressed the law to get what she wanted. And Jesus replied, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith is has made you well. These are some interesting times we're in. And Jesus said, when I return, will I find any faith? Are any of you pressing in to know Jesus? Oh, there are crowds around us. You can get on that highway, you can go to work. You can go just about anywhere, but there was one who showed up in this crowd and said, I'm getting into Jesus. There's something that I'm looking for, and there's something that I need from him. If you have a need, you can get to Jesus right now. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he promised he would be there in the midst of them. We don't take this gathering for granted. This is real, just like he said to the disciples, I'm going to show up in three days. And when he showed up, they were baffled, surprised, didn't recognize him. He said, what are you surprised? I told you I would show up. He said he would be here right now when two or three of you are gathered. This is your Jesus who you know. There's a song that says, if you confess the Lord, call him up. For those who confess the Lord, call him up. We are the ones who confess the Lord. The word there, well, is the word sozo. The word sozo means To save, keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction, one from injury or peril, peril, to save a suffering one from perishing, one suffering from disease, to make well, heal, restore to health, to deliver from the penalties of the messianic judgment. So when Jesus showed up in that moment, her deliverance had already taken place. To save from the evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. This same sozo we see in John 3, 16 and 17 when God says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This woman was saved. Nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing lacking. she got it all when she got to Jesus. Is there something in you that you want from Jesus? Glory be to God. <clears throat> There's another account, another biblical account that we're going to study here. It's in Luke 17, through 19. This is the New King James Version where we study the the happening of the ten lepers. The Bible reads, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face, face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. That word well is the same word sozo that we see in the account of the woman with the issue of blood. As we study the 10 lepers, there are certain things we need to understand. At that time, there was nothing or very little known about this plague, about this, this disease, this malady. It wasn't until uh, the 1940s and the 1950s that a, I don't know if you would call it a cure, but certainly a, a, an anti- bacterial agent was discovered for it. Now, there are millions of cases where it's been eradicated. But at that time, there was no cure aside from Jesus. He was the only one who could do it. He didn't need a medicine. He just needed to be there. like the woman with the issue of blood, if one approached a leper who had already been ostracized because he couldn't dwell amongst his family or any other people that he may, have, he, may knew, he may have known, they were separated. They were on the outside of society. And if someone approached them, they had to exclaim, unclean. I don't know about many of you, but I remember what it was like to feel unclean. I remember the preacher who used to say, if you just take one step, he'll take the other ones with you. So I had to purpose, make up in my mind, if I can just get outside this aisle, if I sit close enough to the aisle, I'll make it to the front. I'll make it to Jesus. It wasn't that long. The corridor wasn't that long. The church wasn't that big. But it seemed like a long way. But I knew I had to make it. My life depended on it. I had heard enough to know that I needed him. The Bible says that these ten lepers who were ostracized and stood afar off They lifted up their voices. In other words, I believe they were yelling. They were making a loud noise because they needed Jesus. It didn't matter who was there. It didn't matter what anyone else's needs were. They had needs of their own. And they knew there was no one in that group other than Jesus who could fix it. So they intended and determined to get his attention. See, this isn't a place where you come just to be quiet. This is a place where you make noise for the Lord because you recognize he's here. You praise him because he's good. He is faithful and true. If he said he would be here in the midst of us, he will show up in the midst of us. And he says, I inhabit the praises of my people. And the Bible says that when they said to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, it describes and reminds me of an account of the man whose son needed to be healed. And when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and he encountered the scribes disputing with his disciples, and he confronted them and said, what do you have to do with them? And the man said, I brought my son to you to your disciples that they healed him and they could not. And Jesus says, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And then the man came to Jesus and said, if you can do anything, have mercy on us. He put the ball in Jesus' court. And Jesus put the ball back in his court. And he said, if you can believe all things are possible to he who believes. And the man cried out, "Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief." These cried out to Jesus, "Master, have mercy on us." And Jesus said, "Go, show yourselves to the priest." Now the ball was in their court. They had they had heard and they had to Obey. They hadn't been touched. Jesus didn't lay hands on them. He gave them a word. And it's up to you what you do with that word. He gave them a word. And they took the word. And by taking the word, a corresponding action to the word, they were cleansed. But the story doesn't end there. The Bible records there was one. There was one who returned. just like there was one who pressed in the crowd out of all those touching Jesus and getting close to Jesus. One had pressed in and touched him and received her healing. There was one who returned back to God because he had something to offer. When he saw himself washed clean, he said, this this is not enough. There's something on the inside of me. What this son of God did, this son of man did for me, I've got to go thank him for it. I can't go to my destination until I get back to him. I've got to get back to him first before I get back to wherever I was going. I didn't even have a place out there until he did what he did for me today. Show him back in his house again. Show him back up to his family again. Washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Because he took a word. Jesus said in his word, God has magnified his word above his name. Jesus is the word. The Bible says that the word is life. Certainly they knew that their life depended on that word from God. They needed that word from God, and they took it. But one returned, and the Bible says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice glorified God. Praise ain't always pretty. Praise ain't always pretty. You might get your suit wet. You might have a little snot running out your nose. You might have some tears coming from your eyes with some crust, residual matter. But if anyone asks you, what's that stuff on your face? See, I've been praising Jesus for what he's done for me. Your face don't look washed. Oh, I washed it. But what he did for me when he washed me in his blood, I've got to praise him for. See, there was something on the inside of this man that belonged to God. There was something on the inside of him that had to be returned to God. And he was assigned to do it. No one else can praise God for you but you. He couldn't let those other nine praise God for him. There was something in him that praised God. I'll return. That can wait. He is here now. And I've got to praise. So there's something on the inside of us when God has done something for us, to us, or we've been in his presence, that should be returned to him. And Jesus said, if they don't praise me, I've got some rocks win. Those who were created in my image And made in my likeness If they don't know how to offer a praise Those rocks will I'm not going to let a rock out praise me Oh no I made a decision He's too good You don't know where I've been But I know where he brought me from Hallelujah Praise God And the Bible says, and he was a Samaritan. So it doesn't matter whether you hadn't, you weren't in the end, you weren't in. God's love is available to us all. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this farm. Now this is Jesus who asked that question. I believe God is saying I don't want to find those nine in my church. Because this is an account of the one who returned to give God the glory. And I believe you're the one who's returned to give glory to God. To praise him for what he's done. Because no one knows your account but you. No one knows what it took for you to get here today but you. The good news, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. In me, you have overcome the world. So our desire is that we get in Jesus. Not only do we get there, we stay there. Hallelujah. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now that word well there is sozo. That man came there, an outcast, broken, probably disheveled, skin falling off of him. Lumps, boils, had to shout unclean. And Jesus said, after he had returned clean, now you're well. Nothing broken, nothing missing. One thing we see in this passage is that there's something that happens out of gratefulness. There's something that happens when you obey God. When Mary said to those at the wedding feast, Jesus had never performed a miracle. At that time, the Bible records. But she said, after she had asked him, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So the past. To what we're looking for is obedience. To hear his voice and obey his will. He said, My sheep know my voice and they obey me. And worship. I'm thinking about, um, reminded of a young man who had been referred to me from another hospital and the man showed up and i didn't know this man i never cared for him or as far as i knew anyone in his family but some colleagues at another hospital had referred him to the one that i had worked at i work at and said well he'll probably need your services because this hospital doesn't have the facilities to take care of it and so the young man showed up for a procedure that i was to perform and And like many days, it's busy. There's a lot going on. You're doing so many things in a short period of time. You have to be focused on what you're doing. And so as I went to meet him and I was listening to him and getting a history, he started telling me a little bit about his past. And and part of me is thinking, I've got to get on with it. I've got to do. But I just know that God is in the resting place. And so I have to tell myself, be still. Listen, listen. I said, you don't know anything about this man. You don't know why he was sent to you. And so I have to resist my flesh a little bit and let the man finish. And then finally, I look at him and I'm thinking about his skin. It was covered with scales and it was white and it was ashen. And I remember thinking about the lepers and I thought, I wonder if he's saved. Because I believe that God will do for him what he did for me. He can make him clean. And so as he's talking, there was a brief pause or moment. And I remember asking him about Jesus. And, and I think he started telling me about knowing about Jesus. And I asked him, are you born again? And then the invitation was extended and I asked him, do you want to be born again? And he says, yes, I do. Because before we go in that procedure room, let's see if there's something else we need to take care of. And the man gave his life to Jesus that day. And the Lord gave him a good report. To God be the glory. I never saw him again. And interesting, I don't know, weeks later, maybe a month later, a woman showed up in my office from that same area, whom I don't get a lot of referrals and what have you, from, and sometimes I ask, you know, where are you from? Who sent you? Sometimes I'm wondering, Lord, who are you sending in? Who are these people? Because I want to make sure they're not coming from some other place. So I have to be careful, and have to operate in discernment. sermon. But there was something different about this woman, and, and she was telling me her story, and I believe she was sitting in a wheelchair, and uh, she was explaining why she was there. And as I was getting her history, somehow we started talking about her past. She started talking about her home life, and she brought up her son, and how when she's talking about Jesus, he used to just give her a hard time, and so I'm listening to her with some anticipation, knowing that, look, I may have to go to another room and see someone shortly, but I want to give you my undivided attention right now, and she went on, and she shared her story with me about her son, and she said, maybe you know him, and my first thought was, I'm sure, I, I don't even know many people from where you're from. And she said, he's a big fella and he's got some skin stuff going on. And immediately I realized that her name and that young man's name were the same last name. And she was talking about her son like he he didn't know God. And I was able to share with that woman that day that your son gave his life to Jesus. I was an eyewitness. That's something only God can do. I wasn't expecting to see that woman nor her son. But God wanted her to know, I've taken care of this. That's the kind of God we serve. And if someone's going to encounter a personal Jesus, they're going to encounter him through you. One thing that I think this the illustration of the ten lepers illustrates is that worship is intentional it's not based on how you feel there's something in you that belongs to God that you need to release to him that you don't have any right to carry on your own legally it's not yours it belongs to him full of the glory of God, fully full of what God has done for you. This belongs to him. It doesn't matter what people think. Think that woman with the issue of blood was concerned about that crowd around Jesus? That leper who was cleansed only moments earlier came back whole? You think he cared about the nine who walked away? The next account that we're going to go through and is illustrated in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 90, through 20, excuse me, is the account of the demon-possessed man. This account is a bit different because it describes a man who needed healing for his mind. He needed healing for his mind. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man. Unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them." And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2000 and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled. And they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. Now that term, right mind, means in the Greek, sophroneo. Sophronio. And it comes from the root word sozo, which means to save and friend the mind. So we see what Jesus did here is what he did for the woman with the issue of blood, what he did for the ten lepers. He brought them back to wholeness. And as we go through the scripture, we see something interesting about the demoniac. This is a man I perceive or believe that was, he was clearly in a bad place. It was a place of death. He was amongst tombs, tormented, tormenting himself, didn't know what to do, needed a savior, but there was no one who could help until Jesus came by. What's amazing is that he recognized Jesus from afar. And the Bible records that immediately, Immediately when Jesus got out the boat, he ran to him and worshipped him. He worshipped God before he got delivered. He ran to God before he got what was his. He knew he needed help. Some of us have been in those bad places, those dark places, places of the tomb. Some of us know and recognize the features of those kind of places. The Bible says, and he cried out with a loud voice. Like the ten lepers and the one that returned back to Jesus, he cried out because he needed to get Jesus' attention. And he asked, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the Most High God? What are you doing here in this kind of place? I know about you. I know what you've done. Why are you here in the tombs? Why do we think God stopped by that day and records it here? He came for him. Just like he came for you and for me. He doesn't mind going those places where others don't feel safe to go. He doesn't mind showing up for the one. But will the one show up and give him praise back? The Bible records that when those who had come to see what Jesus had done because they wanted to accuse him, they saw this man at Jesus' side just Had the account of like John resting in Jesus' bosom. Here he was in his right mind. He'd been made whole. And he was there resting right there with Jesus. And Jesus just lovingly, lovingly embracing him, loving on him, just sheltering him in his love. And the Bible says that he was sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Thank you God for right mind. It's good to be whole. It's good to be clean. It's good to be healed. But there was a price paid for it. Jesus Christ died for us. And that was God's son who paid for for you and for me. The Bible says, for he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you and for me. Not that we would be condemned. This man wasn't condemned sitting there with Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood was awaiting possible condemnation. She wasn't condemned. Grace had showed up for her. Grace is a person Grace is Jesus. We don't need formulas. You don't need a PhD for this. You don't need a medical degree. You just need to know him personally. Today is the day of salvation. And those of you who want an upfront, close, personal encounter with God, who have never met him and accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I invite you today.